Hello, Tim. Hey, Zach. What's up? Not much. So when we do these these shows, we we have people uh, fill out a form, tell us a little bit about themselves. Sometimes we know the person very well. Sometimes we don't. And and you always have this this line that says, if it takes someone more than three minutes to fill out the form, what what do you normally say about? How do you say that? You're, well, you're you're just not doing it right. You're doing it wrong. Well, and why do so you say that? Well, just because people overthink, uh, or if they see a form, yeah, they, then they automatically their head takes them to a place that they overcomplicate everything. And really, no one should know your better or business better than you. So it just matter just jot everything down and hey, what do you want to talk about? Help it's us like the doctor's conversation. office. That's right. Like the, you gotta, what, 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 what are you everything? Yeah. And so I, I think one thing uh, to even top what you're saying is have a like a spreadsheet or a document that basically yeah. is just like all those questions. There's nothing ridiculous about the question you ask. Hi, what's your social security number? Your credit card right. number? Your name? You know, your expiration date? We're, no, we're not asking things like that. Mother's things about name, your business. Right. And, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, your dog's name, whatever. But it should be easy for people to do because it's simple questions about your business. And if you're not actually articulating those things on a regular basis, well, maybe you should start. Yeah. Kevin Daisy is joining the show. <laughs> Kevin, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? How y'all, Tim good. and Zach? Great, great Thanks to see you. Me. Did I meet you for the first time ever, Kevin Daisy, when you were with ID Web back in let's say 2011 ish oh. time frame, maybe even 2012? Was it at the Tech Night Award ceremony? Was <clears> that <throat> where I first met you, or is that where yeah. I met T Paul Dockery? And maybe I met both you guys that night. How how is that? Is that it? Um, it, I mean, I think it's around that time period for sure. Um, probably through the tech council, at least tech council is definitely how I think we got acquainted at some point and you were with, we are Titans, I believe. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's how we connect. I don't know if exact time frame or if it was that night or not, but it seems <clears throat> around then. Yeah. Tim, yeah. what about you guys? How did, what, how did you guys meet? Yeah, I'm just, uh, this is sparking stuff that goes way back. I, th I mean, it was like before the, uh, was it a merger? Is that, is that what you guys merged, right? And, and to create Array Digital, you and Eric? Yeah, so yeah, I, I had ID Web Studios and Eric Olson, my partner, Eric J. Olson, doesn't, so he doesn't hear me say that. Um, Eric J. Olson, uh, he had 80-20 consulting. So yeah. yeah, we it's a merger, kinda not merger. It's it's because we're working we on projects together, right? If I remember correctly, is like you you guys had like bid on some projects, I think maybe in Texas or something. And uh, you know, Eric's company at that time was software focused. Yours was more SEO web focused, and mm -hmm. then you had to you you were bidding on stuff together, and I think at just some point you realized that this makes more sense because I remember when you guys told me in my old office. Yeah. Um, hmm. We even came yeah. on TV to tell you that I, a little I, bit. Yeah, I remember. <clears throat> so, so, so you didn't know? Did you ever do any of the tech council stuff way back when, Tim? Because it's not the tech no. council now, right? Is it called the tech? Well, now it's. So I'm assuming the technology, and now that's the Hampton Roads Innovation Collaborative. Collaborative. Yep. And yeah, same thing, just different name. It's gone through like a few, <laughs> a few iterations. But but everyone always caveats that with HRIC or the tech council or the collaborative. And mm -hmm. and now I guess gosh, long story fast forwarding to today, we got Kevin and I are both part of that board. So uh 
small world. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, hanging out there for quite a while. So it's it's definitely helped me a, a ton. Just talking about the you know, HRIC or HR uh, Innovation Collaborative, which was the Tech Council. Um, but it's you know it's just a good place for me to connect with people. And I met Zach, which changed my life um, completely. <clears throat> Maybe not for the better, but you know, it did change my life. Um, yeah. definitely for the better. And Tim, I've I've known of you, Tim, for years before we probably even met. So probably through the tech council of some degree or uh, yeah, because or- I think that I first we I first started seeing a lot more of you whenever the 80, 20, whenever, <laughs> whenever whatever you guys want to call, it, whenever that all kind of started uniting as one, and then the announcement of array digital, that's when everything uh where I started seeing a lot more of you, but sure. Yeah. at that point I stayed up on the peninsula and I didn't, I only really ventured down to the South side to hang out with Zach and go to hatch and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, remember the old hatch days. So, um, yeah, that's where I got to know Zach better, of course. And, so, uh, uh, so, uh, organizations like a tech council, I think there's a tech council or something like that in, in, in many communities. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a tech council. It could just be a, an organization that gets together around a, uh, a common industry or something like that. I think we all agree to some degree that those things are important. How do, how do you sift through the garbage and find ones that are, that are valid? And then once you do find something that's valid, like how do you use that to, to learn, to educate, to, to, to better, because you've done this. I've known you, if, if those dates are true, that's at least 10 years. And you were doing that probably years before that. So let's say at least a dozen years, you've been involved in, in basically the same group. Like how, how do you, how did you find that group or groups like that and, and, and make that worth your while? Because that's a lot of investment. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I'll start at the, the beginning here. So I used to work for a company doing, um, design like CAD work and it was an engineering firm. And when I came out of, out of school, I was thinking, you know, move over here from where I'm from a very small town uh, and got a real career. And, you know, it was kind of the best thing ever. Uh, well, I was a very creative person. I like to talk to people and that job was pretty much the opposite. Stay in your cubicle, bang out the hours, get the work done. And so I don't remember how I got engaged with the group, but, Someone ended up inviting me and I went to, uh, someone invited me to a board meeting. And they're like, oh yeah, you can just come to our board meeting. If you're not a member, it doesn't matter. You can just come. And so I went out to this meeting, not as a member and just met a bunch of people. And Tim early back then was, was running things. And he kind of like, was like, Hey, what do you do? And what brings you out here? And was just kind of asking me a bunch of questions. So again, I, I don't know how I fell into, coming out of this, but what I did realize was, while there's a lot of cool people here, there's people that run businesses here. I'm hanging out with like the heads of like Cox communication. And I just walked in this room. I don't you know, know anybody here. And so it kind of opened my mind up and that's what started my thinking about starting my own company. Very quickly after that was I see successful people and I'm meeting people and they're, they're basically like, Hey, come on in to this group. And so I don't really care what the group was about. It was not that I was like super interested in technology and anything about our region at the point. Cause I didn't know we even had a region. Cause I just moved from a small Island, Shingatig Island to Virginia beach. And I got a job in Chesapeake. So I didn't even know Chesapeake really existed at that point. So 
that's when I started to like, oh, there's a region and there's people that are doing cool stuff. And so I didn't really care what the group was about. It just happened that I fell into a group that was like, hey, come hang out with us. You should do more. And they just sucked me in and I started getting work doing websites and then I quit my job. So for me, it was, I, I feel, you know, uh, indebted to to the group and I continue to, to help as I can. Although I'm not some big like technology, like dialed in, know what's going on with the community uh, like most folks do. I can barely have a conversation with some of the guys that are in that group, um, but I'm generally interested, right? And it's it's helped me in my life. So uh, start my company and and make a change. So for me, hopefully that can happen with other people and other tech councils if you or any group. It could be the chamber. It could be BNI. It can be whatever. But I just felt like the tech group was was different uh, than those normal networking groups you might go out to. Yeah. As I started getting more involved with it, a lot of people would ask me, like, what is it? Yeah, I'd be like, and I, and I, gosh, I don't even know. How do you describe people what the tech council is or the the innovation collaborative is? I mean, it's just, I guess I almost look at it as it's we have our startup cohort, and then it's it's kind of like the the graduating level and beyond of that. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm curious your take. I'm tired. No, so if Dan Bell was watching right now, she might be. Um, yeah, like I've been inside the, the group for a long time and I'm, I work with Dan and I'm, I'm on the, I'm actually the marketing chair. Uh, and it's, I try not to explain it the way Dan would, cause Dan's just, he's super smart. He's super dialed in with the technology community and he's, he talks in ways that are making it harder probably to understand for most people. So for me, <clears throat> I just tell, if I'm talking to someone, I just make it in layman's terms. Um, is a group of, of successful folks uh, or people that are in the technology space that are trying to bring things together in the region and ex- excel the region. And this technology happens to be a big part of that. So whether it's broadband or unmanned systems or whatever, <clears throat> it's just we're, we're trying to get on common ground and, and bring leaders from around the region to be aware of these things and bring more money into the region and, and more opportunity and keep more people here. A lot of groups are doing the same exact thing, to be honest with you. Um, and they just say it a different way. And I think there's a lot of <clears throat> opportunity with the tech council or HRIC, which I'll continue to call it tech council. Um, Cause that's easy for me to, to say, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, I always try to push for, trying to make it clear and i tell the group all the time is if we make it too technology heavy like a lot of people won't come out because they're like i don't i don't even know what that's about i can't talk to these folks we got to expand our footprint and say hey if you own a business you should probably come out and meet these folks and 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 get involved because you use technology you might not develop technology necessarily but uh, you can meet people that you can partner with, you might need IT support, you might need, you know, software development, whatever it might be, everyone's in technology to some degree or needs it. So um, I've always, I've always told the, the, the guys like, Hey, we're limiting ourselves to the small pipeline of right. these like really smart, like, 
Restaurants are using technology. Yes. You know, yeah, I mean, startup technology. Yeah. And the thing that's so crazy about our area, tech, I mean, yeah. but our area, when you look at everything from like deep tech stuff that NASA's doing or Jefferson Labs doing to stuff that Array is doing, I mean, that that's or just consuming technology. That's a huge. I mean, it's just man, that's a big swing. Yeah. It is. It is. So um, I've always just been trying, like you know, with, with the growing of the tech council, like if we had the happy hours or whatever. For me, that's like the gateway. If we can get people even interested to come in, uh, then we see if they go on to be members, board members, and, and more involved. But I think the the tech the, the council itself or the group itself has had a struggle with just getting the attention of people outside of the you know the um, yeah well the contacts cool. I mean, that we already have. And I'm really excited about uh, the next meeting. Uh, that's going to take place in de uh, December. It's, I guess, now slowly getting out in terms of the marketing aspect of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a drone up, which will be uh, pretty cool to get people in the drone up space. They can actually see it firsthand, and uh, I expect that to be pretty pretty well attended. But it'll be limited to hundred folks. Yeah, you know, it's it's helpful when we have people like drone up, and and I've known Tom Walker since I started my company and and met with him. Wasn't his back. old company? Wasn't their old um, was it Webtex right deck right next door to Array at some point? Wasn't it? The yeah, they were beside us. Uh, yeah, Tom. Tom called me one day. I was like, "Hey, come on over here. I got something I'm sure with you guys." And he was showing us drone up, and he was raising money and stuff like that. But um, I should have gave him a check. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> messed up. <clears throat> um, well, there's right, a lot talk. of people in this area kicking themselves for that. <laughs> sure. Let, let, let's talk about Array. So, so. Briefly tell us about the backstory of how you start another agency. Eric has his thing. You guys come together, how that all came about and yeah. re really why, whether it was a merge, a, a rebirth or whatever, give us the backstory. Sure. The, the, you know, the, the, the 21 floor elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll start with real quick though. If anyone's tuning into this show, and wants to reach out to me for anything like as far as starting businesses and doing it the right way, wrong way. Um, yep, we've kind of seen it all. And we, we've got a lot of things figured out. So hopefully today on the show, I can share not just what I've done, but you know what we're doing and, and how we feel pretty confident in some of the things that we're doing. And we have it a little bit figured out. But um, so looking back, I started ID Web technically in 2006. I went out of my own, quit my my day job. Uh, with no money saved against everyone's recommendation and <clears throat> just had a couple website, you know, side gigs, if you will. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to start my own thing. And so I did that. And Oh six, I don't think I established like an LLC officially to like 2009 or something like that, but I was uh, up for business. I was out there hitting the streets. Again, I worked at an engineering firm and I'm not from this, that this area. So I had to go find and build a network. And that was probably the best, one of the best skills I learned only because I had to, I had no choice. So I had to go out meet people, find people. And then hopefully they were interested in my services, which was website design, graphic design. And uh, soon after that, I added uh, doing things like SEO and, and stuff like that. So um, first year was rough. I think I made, half of what my income was when I left my job. 
Uh, luckily, I had my wife who was able to support me at the time. And then I, I doubled that. And then I doubled that. And I was making six figures within a, within a year or two. Uh, or two years, maybe three years, I guess. Um, which coming from a $30,000 job to six figures in a couple years where my last, my job would have taken me, I don't know, 20, 30 years if, if I luckily made it to 100000 So things happened pretty quick. And, you know, I got that up and running pretty quickly. And I started hiring folks and getting an office. And I always carried myself as a company because that's kind of how I went into it. It wasn't Kevin or whatever. I always wanted to be a Zidy Web, and I wanted to kind of appear as a company, although it was just me for the first couple of years. Um, so if I ever had a contractor or anyone help me at all, I'd, I'd add them to the website and, and you know make a big deal. Um, so that, that company went well, and we grew to probably six or seven folks. I had a few different offices uh, across that time, and we had worked with brands across Hampton Road, so you can, anything you can imagine – even had a contract with the U.S. Army and built the Tradoc website, um, you know, went in to Fort Eustis and had meetings there with like three-star generals and stuff like that. So we had worked with all kinds of brands locally and some internationally, like Lee Bear, which is the heavy equipment company. Uh, they have off uh, facilities in Newport News. So very successful in the eyes of the footprint that we had made and the clients that we had worked with but really the challenge was recurring revenue and and predictability on how much we're going to make next month it was a lot of project work and we had to continue to find new work well long story short i uh bumped into eric olson who's my now my business partner we met each other at the entrepreneurs organization uh as sponsors of that group if you don't know about EO, it's a pretty uh, exclusive group of entrepreneurs. You have to do a million or more in revenue. Uh, we're now members of that group. Uh, but we met each other at, a, at an event. And at first, he was kind of like, hey, uh, we do the same thing. He walked up to me and said, hey, we do the same thing. But I wanted to meet you. And I said, well, what do you do? And he told me they build software and apps. That's totally and all an Eric J. Olson oh, comment yeah. too, by the way. Like he's like, <laughs> hey. oh, we do the same thing. I don't even know. Like, so, so I, it, I, was I it a, uh, was that a, Hey, we should collaborate or is that a man I'm about to n put a knife in your back? Kind of. It was pretty much like, Hey, we should probably just avoid each other. <laughs> yeah. That's Eric being like, I'm, I'm an awkward person. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. That's great. Like, okay. Sorry. I mean, had comments come in from Eric and I said, um, yeah. No, that, that's Eric being like, he knows the answer. And so he'll just say it like we do the same thing. So we should probably go the other way. Um, well, I said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, we do software and we develop mobile apps and custom software. And I was like, we don't do that at all. <laughs> so um, I said, we do website design for marketing and we help companies look great online. And then we help them hopefully drive some traffic and get found on Google. Uh, you know, to what I thought SEO was then, which we did okay, uh, light years from where we're at now. But so he said, oh, okay, well, I guess we don't do exactly the same thing. And I think a lot of people are confused. Web design, web development, software development, it kind of gets watered down and, and people don't know what it means. But so we didn't really do the same thing at all. And about a month or two later, I had a client come to me 
that we did the website for and the branding for. And they said, hey, we have a need for software um, or a an app or something like that. Can you guys do that? And before I said no, I said, let me take a look and see, send me over some of the requirements. And so I basically reached out to Eric and said, hey, I got this client. Uh, they're already an existing client. They work with us on a monthly basis and they, they have this software need. Is this something you guys can do? I was like, we would like to design it because if not, I don't have no skin in the game. I don't make any money. So I was like, if you guys can do the software, we can do the design, then we can send a proposal to these guys. So he said, yeah, absolutely. Let's try to do it. So we got that up and running and we were two separate companies. So his company was doing the software. We'd meet at his office. We would do design work and sometimes we'd meet at my office, but we were basically working as two different teams. And so that job ended up being a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, which and that's not uncommon though for for different departments, if you will, to be working on different. Well, things. I think that that's probably different. the norm. Yeah, I would go as far as saying anyone companies. says that they can do everything is yeah. is lying. <laughs> exactly. So, it, so basically, it was my client, and I was we were doing the design work, and we hadn't really designed software, but you know we were like we can design anything. So, um, and again, uh, when I was doing a website, it might be thousands of dollars <clears throat> this was hundreds of thousands of dollars so i was like wow okay there's there's a lot of money here and most of it's not going to me most of it's going to eric's company but we can't do that work so you know we'll get the design work which the design work itself was still more profitable probably than a website for a local company so i was like oh this is great we'll do we'll keep doing this and and it's probably a one-off project is what i'm thinking well, while we're in the middle of that project, we had another person reach out. Hey, can you do this? Yeah, sure we can. Eric, I got another project. <laughs> you know, we'll do the design work and you do the software. Okay, cool. So we're doing the same thing. And that one turned into a couple hundred thousand dollar project. And um, so what led to the merge though was not just working together. EO, I mentioned them before, held a, a workshop on mergers Actually, it was, it was actually titled Growth Through Mergers and Acquisitions. And so we listened to this guy speak. It was in Norfolk downtown. And he basically was an EO member. And he had merged and acquired like 11 businesses in like the last 12 months. And so we were just like, wow, that's crazy. And so I never even thought about a merger or acquisition ever in my life my business. That's it. I'm not interested. Um, so after the fact, we went and go get a beer. And again, we're working on two or three projects now. And Eric or me, someone said, Hey, what if we merged? Um, you know, that'd be kind of cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that maybe that could work. We're doing a lot of work together and we could have one office right now. We're split up and you know, we're, it's kind of a, it's not a very clean process. And and so, you know, that joke led to an actual discussion. And then we actually started to say, yeah, well, what if I send you an NDA and you send me an NDA? And that way we can like look at each other's books, you know, at least at a high level. And so we, we did that and we're like, oh, well, I don't see any red flags on either side. And, um, and then came in another prospect that reached out to me through the technology council. So this was another 
uh, kudos to uh, HRIC. He emailed and said, hey, Kevin, uh, I haven't seen you in a few years, but I'm now over at, um, crap, what's the name of it? In it, uh, in it, N-I, or I-N-I-T. It's the German transportation company. They have a headquarters in Chesapeake. And he reaches out and said, hey, I'm, I'm COO or CTO over here, and we have a need for some software. And it was going to be like five or $600,000 for one piece of it. And then it was going to be multiple cities that they were doing this for across the country. So it was a promise of a lot more work and 500,000 was way bigger than anything that we've ever seen. So we're already looking at merging. We're looking at each other's books and now we have this big deal and we're bidding on this thing together. So we're showing up together in meetings with this company, like three meetings as two companies saying we can do this work for them. And so it looks a little funky anyway, because it's two companies, they'd have to sign two contracts. And at the end of the day, we said, hey, if we don't get this, or if we do get this, actually, no, we said if we do get this, we got to merge 100%, because this is a big contract. And so we didn't get it. <laughs> and so we still said, well, since we didn't get it, we believe... It was two companies that looks kind of shoddy. Uh, and then the company that won it had redundancy with project managers, more staff. And so we were like, okay, we got to merge. We'll be a bigger company. And these types of deals won't slip through our fingers again. So that was kind of the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess. So we pushed forward. You think you would have gotten the, the project that you, you would have landed the deal if you were one company? We had a better chance. I, I don't know if we would. Uh, we still didn't have redundancy. Like they went with Marathon Consulting, and because they, they're like they have three or four project managers, you have one. You know, so we wouldn't have been able to like scale that quickly. But I think it would have looked a lot cleaner, and they would have felt much better about it if we were one company. So anyway, losing that just kicked off the merger, and uh, we got that done as soon as possible after that so that stuff's always really interesting to me um just in the sense of like when you have a new company and you're just starting and then you just start writing proposals or people approach you you get excited you write proposals and then all of a sudden you lose it's super easy to get really <laughs> down on yourself and be like man you know what are we doing but if i was to be truthful to myself for every piece of work that we tried to win and didn't I can look back and I say, we weren't ready. Yeah, we didn't have the pieces put in place. We're ready now, but if we would have won that work back then, we just, we weren't ready. And uh, so it's, it's, it's funny how that stuff kind of- A hundred percent. So I would tell you right now, yeah, we were not ready. We would have, it's one of those, we're going to freaking pull it off somehow, but- Right, right. You know, we'd have to innovate through through the challenge, but- um we when were was this? What 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 year was that? Was it 2017 that the merger happened? Yeah, 2017. Official date was like February 27th, I think, something like that. Um, hmm. But so this was, I think, the deal had started in like 2016. We were starting to talk in like November of 2016 about merging, and then this deal popped up like first of the year, maybe. So the merger was already in talks. Well, I remember. We had, okay, so yeah. I've been looking for this, like. This this is a picture of you and Eric and Ashbrook 
in an office in Hatch, you're not necessarily great in the picture. And I got my feet up on the table. But, like, <laughs> this is you guys telling me that the name is Array and that you're merging. I remember you guys telling me that. I thought it was earlier than that. I didn't realize it was 2017. So that's only been five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's five, uh, five years. Yep. So, um, yeah, official dates, you know, on a calendar somewhere. But, <clears throat> yeah, so we, we merged. And, yeah, Ryan or Tim, we were not ready for that contract. Um, and it probably would have been uh, – it would have been tough if we yeah. – especially if we merged at the time of winning the contract because the merger was a kind of a – I mean, taking two teams and a new office and it was it was just a lot to kind of figure out. We, we kind of flailed for a year and then we took the next year to reinvent ourselves and figuring out what we really wanted to do. Yeah. And we went from the software, which is our primary merger reason, and dropped it all together. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, you're dropping all kinds of really uh, knowledge bombs down on, on folks listening because, I mean, it's tough. When you have an agency and you're doing project-based work to try to keep that steady stream going through the sales pipeline is really tough. I mean, it's feast or famine. And man, when it's when you're feasting, it's like unbearable. You, th then you're in that same position of how are we going to how are we going to complete all of this work? And then you ramp everything up, ramp everything up, and then you go through a dry spell and you're like, gosh. So, yeah, I totally get it in the sense of how can we transition something to be more reoccurring, more predictable so that you can plan all that stuff out? Were you able to crack that nut or did? <clears throat> we have definitely cracked that nut. Um, well, before that, we you, tried, right away. <laughs> you, did, you did try to do recurring revenue from a software perspective. Yes. Because I, I remember that. And that nut did not crack the correct way. I yeah, yeah. somewhat, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we moved the needle a little bit, but uh, yeah. So recurring revenue, everyone listen, MRR is what we call it. Um, monthly recurring revenue has <clears throat> changed everything about our business and our, our, our lives, like straight up. So write that down. You want recurring revenue on a monthly basis that you can predict. And it all started with, um, with an accountant we had, a CPA. And he was the worst CPA we ever had. He messed up our shit completely. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to cuss on here, but <clears throat> messed up our tax. I mean, this was terrible. But he asked us one question that changed our direction. He was, this is when we first met him. He said, hey, uh, I'm going to try to get a budget together for you all. And we're like, we don't have a budget. We don't know what that is. And I now know that most companies don't have a budget for many million you know, until they're they're pretty large, actually. But he said, well, how do you know what you guys are going to make next uh, quarter or next year? Like, I don't know. What about next month? I still don't know. Uh, we have all these projects. So if we build this and if we finish this one and, you know, we could probably figure out some maybe idea for next month, but it's still very variable, if you will. And so he said, well, we have this $100,000 software project. What if you took that and analyzed it and said, all right, well, it's going to be 7,000, whatever per month, um, <clears throat> whatever the numbers were. Um, and that's going to be a monthly payment or twice a month, whatever you want to do, instead of collecting that big, you know, big chunks and over three months. <clears throat> so we're like, oh, that's interesting. And so like, well, can we handle it? And here's where, um, Tim, you were saying like, you got a bunch of people working and you got the momentum going and you, you basically can't stop because you got payroll to make and you have 
salaries and and we had like seven hundred thousand dollars in salaries for our staff like so that was big numbers for us since we merged and so it was a machine that had to keep going and so to take a project and spread it out meant we weren't not going to collect the money we're used to so we had to like start to tiptoe into it and so we chose one project and, and tried that out and then we said all right well now we're going to start we're going to start selling support so if it's a hundred thousand dollar project you know ten percent on a monthly basis after that will be support and we'll support the software so we started selling a few of those so i, th I think we got to the point where we had seventeen thousand in monthly recurring revenue id web when i was running it by myself with a few employees i basically had to do about 20 to twenty-four thousand a month to take care of everything <clears throat> and i was not taking a much home for myself so 17,000 a month was very small given the size that we were at this time, but it was movement. So we, we moved in the right direction. Um, but software itself was bad for us. So we, we thought software was the way I had all these sales meetings. I was meeting with clients all over the place and we had a lot of stuff. And I was like, man, we're going to hire a ton of people if I close all these deals. Well, they just all fell through. Nothing came through. And then we sat there, me and Eric, um, over the holidays one time. No one's in the office but me and Eric. And we're like, this this project's not coming through. This one's not getting back to us. This one's not coming through. What the hell are we going to do? Like, our, We basically can make it about a month or two with our savings based on our payroll size. So... We got to figure something out real quick. So, so we figured out how long we could carry ourselves, what work we had left to do, and we had to make a big decision. And so that big decision was to figure out what recurring revenue we could get, where did that exist, and what capability we have in-house to do that. And so long story short, um, they ended up being digital marketing. So what I used to do is ID Web was very a very small department at this point but the little money that it brought in was very profitable and so we had one employee jake mains who was actually on the show here the uh, last week i think um or is it this week was it this week or last week i don't know yeah last week okay so uh jake mains um he did all our digital marketing for our clients that we had contracts with and so we turned to jake and said hey uh we're gonna switch to digital marketing completely and you had the opportunity to basically take that and run with it. And so it gave him a lot of opportunity and it gave us opportunity and we started signing clients right away. Hey, we can do marketing for you. Um, software clients, we can do marketing. And so we switched to that completely within eight months and we went from 17,000 or about, I think it was like 15% of our revenue or 10% or was recurring. And in eight months we were hundred percent recurring. So that was pretty I impressive way for software to be recurring is if like you're a staffing agency and like you're actually working for that company and they're paying you as a staffing agency uh, from to, to remove it from a project to project base. I think that, like, that's the only real way to make it happen. I mean, I yeah, unless, unless it's subscription based, but marathon is basically a staffing agency that also does in house stuff. 
Yeah, because you're, you're talking project. It's kind of waterfall done, waterfall method style, where it's like, okay, we're gonna work on this thing for three months, six months, whatever, and then it's done, and then you're done, unless it's kind of a long contract, which then I guess, yeah, it, it would be. Kevin, you're talking stuff. like custom software, like this is not something yeah. you're building, and then you can charge that subscription fee. This is someone comes to you, they yeah. want to be a, you're building something custom for them so that they can own it or. And so, yeah, that, I mean, that's a ton of work. And a lot of times when you have a client that has no, they've never built or had custom software <laughs> built. I mean, it can, boy, that can go down a crazy rabbit hole. Then they're like, where did all these expenses come from? And it's just like, man, you know, I mean, oh, change, yeah. change logs and change requests. And I mean, that stuff, I mean, that's just, boy, it can get real tricky. We, we had some clients where we were billing 20 grand every two weeks for mm -hmm. one project. And but the thing is, once which was good for us at that point, right? But then if it was a four month project, twenty grand every two weeks, whew, gone. You know, so you become reliant on that, and <clears throat> you start building yourself around that, and then you're you're basically cutting that on purpose because the project's done. So it's it's a very and then here, how do you identify someone that needs custom software? It's yeah, almost you know, impossible. It's yeah, yeah, yeah it's. But then they suck at marketing that thing. So what's really weird about this world, I feel like the last 15 years of this, this is this is the the buzziness of, of entrepreneurship and apps and all that stuff. And I love it. But at the same time, it's like this person has an idea. That person doesn't actually have a skill set. So they can't build it. So they need to hire someone to do that. They might they they probably have some cash from from their you know their career. They so someone's got to build this thing. Then they think that that thing that you just built and they spent six figures on is just gonna magically make a crap ton of money. So they also can't market or sell it. So they actually need everyone to do everything. And all they have is the idea aspect of it. So it's interesting that, you know, build this thing and then actually you got to market it too. And so you guys have full swung been in that aspect of it. But well, yeah. that was what we saw is the biggest problem we had when we did software and we developed and deployed it was that either you didn't go to market or... If it did go to market, it didn't do well. Yeah, yeah if it did go to market, yeah. like, so it was like, we can't even show the work we've done barely because no one's actually right. using the stuff or it's. And if it's, a, and if it's a mobile app and then there's a new iOS update or something, then, <laughs> then the, the code needs to be updated again. It's just a, man, it gets real tricky. Disaster transport. How did you guys handle the staff that was primarily, would you say uh, 700 grand worth of staff that was mostly software engineers? How'd you handle <laughs> that? Yeah, so we we first had to come out and tell the whole company that what what's happening, you know, we're we've we're not getting these projects, and we only have a certain runway. So we are we are going to change the company up. We're going to switch primarily to focusing on digital marketing. You know, we still have software projects, so we still need to continue those. We do have to let someone go, and we we kind of handle that behind closed doors, but. And then we made arrangements with the other folks that we knew were going to have to leave at some point. And so there was a, there was a pretty long transition point. And one gentleman, uh, Bruce, he, he worked with us. He's the worst with us now. Like not, he's not an employee, but we gave him a contract. He started his own company and he's been a, you know, he's basically been a contractor for, for a couple of years after we switched over. Um, and then we made sure the other, the other guys um, on the team, transitioned and, and found employment and stuff like that. So it was, it was handled pretty well and there was no like whew, everyone's fired, you know? So it was, it worked out well. And then we could start bringing in 
folks to help with the marketing. <clears throat> and obviously the sal you know, six figure salaries down to like, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar salaries. Uh was a because software engineers yeah. require more <clears throat> salary. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Which they should. <laughs> but um and now flip that around to where we are today, and we have folks that are that are you know making those kinds of dollars again. But so, as we've gotten better at marketing, hired better people, got more processes in place, um, the salaries can be just as high as uh, you know as those guys. But so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of transition, lots of transition. And I think the biggest thing here is if that's not happening in your business, you know, you're static, you know, stagnant, or you're you're not growing, you're not scaling. But mm -hmm. it's it's a constant conversation. And Eric and I spend, I was talking to him on the way up here and I was chatting with him on Slack and I'll, I'll talk with him probably later today and tomorrow, but it's, it's a constant, what are we doing next? What do we got to fix? What, we, you know, what, you know, it's, it's all day, every day, but I think that's, that's the fun of it. Yeah. And What's your current headcount now? Um, so we have two companies. Uh, if you combine those, probably 25, 26, something like that, which is, yeah, insane. Uh, we, we have, we had three new hires or four, four new hires that had been with us for about a month or two who I just met last week. We had a founder's call where they, it was just me and Eric and them. <clears throat> and that's the first time I've talked to them. <laughs> so it's like, kind of weird, I guess, but we didn't want to be bottlenecks to the hiring process. And before it was like Eric and me met with every single person and, and we gave our feedback to the hiring manager. And now it's like, hey, hiring manager, you know, we trust you, do your thing. And then we'll set up a, a meeting with us after the fact and uh, do some onboarding stuff with them and make sure they know our vision and, and culture objectives. So that's that's been interesting. But uh, yeah, so we, we've had some good success, but constant setbacks along with that. I think most people are like, oh, you guys are just crushing it. But well, if you uh, listen to the Journey yeah. Hunter podcast, you know the ups and downs. Yeah, it's true. true. Well, the thing is, so I'm curious. How, take us through the procedure roadmap with you guys. What? How many times does something has to happen before you're like you and Eric are like, hey, we we need to set up some sort of policy or some sort of procedure to navigate this in the future. Um. Yeah. So if it's like a problem with a client or. <clears throat> Something that happens that's if, honestly, if it's a, if it's a client issue, it's almost immediately like you don't wait. Like we've we've gotten really good at we don't wait, and even me, I'm usually bad at that. <clears throat> but if a client has an issue, we drop everything. We say, hey, let's get with this client right now. Bring it to the front. Um, have a discussion with anyone involved. Figure it out. Tell the client that we figured it out. Here's all the details, and here's what we did to fix it, and so it won't happen again. And the client's in a much better position or much nicer to us uh, when we do this. And even better than that, even better than that, if we can be proactive. And that's the biggest thing that we try to do here is, hey, we know we screwed this little thing up, but the client will never know that. Um, yeah. Nope. Call them. Tell them. And the client's like, hey, I appreciate that. We're fine. Thank you. Well, if they the found if they found out. Totally different, you know, outcome. So. <laughs> the thing that I think is so funny is you, you get people, they, they come from big business, whatever the case is, the big machine with, with all the po policies and procedures. You know, they're like, man, I'm done with this. 
I'm going to go start my own company. And then it's just going to be, woo, we're going to be able to do whatever we want to. And, and then, then you go right back in the same direction. And the next thing you know, you got to be like, man, we need a policy for this. We need a procedure for that. And it's just like, it's just funny to watch that cycle and everything comes back. Full and here's the thing. Like, so now we have for the last year, we've been making process documents and documentation and, and tasking staff with doing that. Hey, you come on board. Oh, you have all this knowledge and background. That's why we hired you. Now we need you to start documenting that because we're a business. And if you get hit by a bus, Who's going to help you? Do, or if you want to hire someone to do it under you, how are they going to do it? So our goal is to get them out of the work and move up to management and to leadership and all that stuff. So don't you think that people don't from that documentation standpoint, like they hate that, but they don't realize that it's like, actually, we're making your life easier after that documentation's there so that, you know, this is the 25 steps that you have to do. I think most people hate actually yeah. the writing it or typing it, whatever, you know, putting it together is a pain in the tail. But it's like, yeah. actually, we're making this way easier for you so that when you're on, you know, January 1, four days later, you know, January, you know, you can just look and be like, you know exactly where to go. It's like, this is making your life easier. And I think sometimes we forget about that, where it's like, the process isn't trying to micromanage you. It's actually trying to make your life a heck of a lot easier. A hundred percent. So you definitely have to, to sell it like you just did. Like it's, this is to basically get you out of the position you're in to move up eventually to another. So imagine you want to hire a, a person to work under you. Well, how are they going to do what you know how to do? And they're like, Oh, okay, well, I'm gonna write this up because I don't want to be doing this crap all day. And maybe five years from now, I'm running a whole team. Well, if you don't have process documents, then it's right. not gonna happen. So it's an opportunity and it's to make it easier for them now. And then, you know, we can find holes. Hey, hey, we did this and it's messed up. Oh, yeah, that's why we we, we have a whole step in here missing. And Let's go fix that. Um, yeah. The other thing is do we let people kind of vomit out what they do. And then we have project manager that'll go clean it up and put it in the actual format that we need. So they don't really need to like get crazy with how the process looks. Just write it down. He'll come back and clean it up and make sure that it's actually usable. Um, and, and so what you're saying about big business, it's like, yeah, as an entrepreneur, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm never going to be that, you know, I'm, I do my own thing. And we desire now, now me and Eric, we desire to be those big businesses in, in a way, right? <clears throat> if you're not scaling, you're dying. If you don't have processes, you're not going to scale. Um, and you can't, you can't do anything, honestly. So Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking backstage because I'm waiting for some sort of uh, reaction from Andrew. Cause I mean, you know, we, we do everything in notion and it's just like, that's my brain. I have to document all that stuff because I found myself that like every night I was just like immensely exhausted because I was trying to keep so much in my head as opposed to just put it down on somewhere where I can just refer back to it later. And then, you know, then you get all those documents and processes put in place. But and then once you have staff, then you have to enforce that because eventually, I mean, you're, you're essentially, you're going to train that the, your staff, how, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So then you have to enforce that. Yeah. The, the policies and procedures that are in place. So it's like, I don't know how many times I'm like, Hey man, did you put it in notion? Because <laughs> it's just one of those things that you, you have to refer back to it because at some point someone's going to have to look at that and understand what, what needs to happen. Yeah. And as me as an owner, I have process documents and I literally open them up and follow it because I don't want to screw it up and I don't even have to think about it 
like I, I do all the sales. So I, I bring on a client, I get them to sign a contract and then I have a shit ton of stuff I got to do. Right. Yeah. And so I open up the document for a new client onboarding and then I have to, yeah. I get the, the document and name it a certain way. I put it up on the, in the drive and then I have to fill out a form, kind of like the form you guys sent me. And I, I tell everyone on the team, Hey, new client, here's what they're doing. And then it, you know, it does a lot of stuff with Zapper, Zapier and stuff like that. But <clears throat> I follow, you know, and, and so it's not just like our employees are, are having to do sure. this stuff and we don't. I it's one of those things that I have to learn the hard way is that you have to slow down so that you could speed up. And then once you have that stuff in place, then you can move faster and you can scale. A hundred percent. I remember when we used to do a lot of events, we had these uh, whiteboards. Some of them had like 10 things to do. Some of them were like 50 things to do, maybe even more. And they were as simple as like, you know, write this on Eventbrite, check with someone on this type of thing. And it was because we did so many events. If we missed something, we're like, why haven't we gotten press on this thing? It's like, oh, well, no one did step 17, which was reach right. out to, you know, the, the reporter to let them know that this thing's going on. You have the relationship with them. You know that they're going to do a story on you. Yeah, who was supposed no to do step 17? Right. Everyone looks yeah. at each other. Right? right. And so it's probably me. I didn't do it. But. <laughs> well, as the leader, you have, that's why you have responsibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, too, um, the other thing, big biggest piece is hiring people. And how you do that and, and which, who you want in your company. If we have the right people, which we, right now, across the board, as far as I can tell, we had the right people. Um, and we have quite a crazy process for it. But if you have the right people, one, they're not going to say, I'm not writing that down. Or I'm not sharing my intellectual property, which is how I do my, you know, how I write content for SEO. Well, we can't, if we had an employee that's like, I'm not telling you that. Well, then you're not working here, obviously. So. But we have good employees that they know they might not be here forever. They they might have to leave for a personal reason. They might, you know, might, you might get hit by a bus. So that they, you know, they should be, you know, they should want to help and say, yeah, I want to make sure this is documented because if I get sick or, you know, maybe we're having a baby, I'm going to be out for two weeks. Who's going to take over and do this for me? We don't and want so, anyone to get hit by a bus. <clears throat> no, but you know, the, 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 it can happen. So, so you should have a team around you that supports it. And obviously during the hiring process, this is already baked in. They know what they're getting into. They know we want to document this stuff and that they have to follow it. So um, so I think it's the best thing. You have you got to have a team that's – if there's any pushback, then they're not a good fit. Cautiously. As, as, as we wrap things up, you, you have a crazy BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal of $100 million a, just a, a, a annual revenue, I guess. Is, you, you got me uh, in too much jugger, j, um, jargon. Our so jargon. You guys yeah. make, you guys just a hundred million, million in a year. In a year. Hopefully, that's a recurring thing. You know, after that. Sure. Like, walk me through just how you came up with that number. Why you actually talk about it? You know, um, from a, a somewhat of a marketing position. Like it's. It's pretty audacious. Just sure. give me the whole story behind that. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so I forgot. So I, I remember I, I was giving a talk at One Million Cups. That's what it was. And <clears throat> I was putting together a presentation, and it was basically 
they wanted startups, and we were basically a startup at the time, about a year and a half into it. And they were like, yeah, Kevin, you should come talk and talk about how you started Array Digital and where you are and where you're trying to go and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of like a, a little bit of a, you know, uh, like a pitch if you're like a, a startup pitch, but with no obligation. I wasn't trying to, you know, raise money or nothing like that. <clears throat> but I, I wrote my piece. It was basically like a slideshow. But I was like, all right, I got, I got to name this thing something. And for whatever reason, I named it Journey to 100 Million. And I shared it with Eric. And he was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Because me and him, and I think, had a conversation like, hey, we, we should like set some crazy goal for like 10 years to do like 10 million or and that, that's not very big. And no one's going to care about that. So we're like, ah, screw it, $100 million. And so anyway, I named my presentation Journey to $100 million. I still have the presentation probably from 2018 or something like that. And that kind of stuck. And I did the presentation to show where we were and how much we had grown. And I showed the MR, MRR. We had 17,000 MRR. And then we we flipped that to like, you know, 120,000 on MRR per month. And, that, and, you know, in eight months, so it was like, look what we did. We we're freaking awesome. And, um, and we were over a million dollars in revenue and, and yada, yada, yada. So, and I had like this very like rudimentary plan on how we're going to get to a hundred million, which I had no clue. Um, but it was all good for presentation purposes. And so January, I think of 2018 or 2019, we decided that we wanted to start a podcast and we didn't know what to name it. And so that same title came back up journey to hundred million. So that's what we need in the podcast as a daily podcast where we talk about all the crap we're talking about now, except in a lot more detail and a lot more subjects. But so as we rolled that out to the world, it's like, Hey, hundred million dollars, which seems insane when we first said it and we figured it would give us some attention and people would actually tune in. If it was a journey to $10 million, you know, probably not. So we wanted to go big and, We've actually turned that into an actual goal, and we are trying to actually hit that goal. So kind of backing up a little bit, how are we going to get there? we got different ways we can get there, and we've, we're on that path now. How we end up there, we don't know. It's too far out. Like it's, There's no way to say this is exactly how we're going to get there, but we do have a pretty good recipe. <clears throat> so we have a Ray Digital. And we have Rival Digital, which works with HVAC companies. Array works with law companies or law firms. And those are individual companies that me and Eric both own. Uh, I think last year, if you combine the two, we're like 3.5 million. Take that out of 100 million. It's, you know, far off. But um, <clears throat> based on where we've come in a pretty short amount of time, we figured out what we need to do. And so with the processes, the team reinvesting, we, we reinvested money into the company all for a whole year and we hired all new staff for the most part. <clears throat> and so now we feel like we got this all going rival digital. We started that a year and a two half ago, ago today. two years ago, oh, it's two years ago today. It's just shy of a million. It took me 10 years and it took Eric 10 years to get to a million dollars. And we'll, you know, basically do that in two years. So 
we got the roadmap, we got the plan, we got the processes. One of our big parts of getting to 100 million is that model. So Rival Digital is exact like an incubator, right? It's we hired one person, we got one client, and we got the process and say, boom, go do this. Everything from the marketing, the podcast, the niche, that'll all be the same, except that it'll be a different industry uh, niche, if you will. So that's definitely one of the plans um, to get there. So. <laughs> So many things I want to ask. There'll be some acquisitions probably in there. I, I doubt there'll be any ever mergers. I don't plan on doing that. But but now, now you know, we basically said, hey, Eric Thomas, he's the president of, of Rival. Here's the blueprint. Here's one client. Do it. And and we've we don't I meet with Eric. Me and him meet with Eric like once a month, maybe, to look at financials, and that's it. Um and that company is actually producing income for me and Eric Olson, like pretty well, and and for Eric Thomas who's running it. So it's lean, way leaner. That's the cool thing here. It's it started uh, out of array, but lean, and and with things already figured out. So it's running faster, smaller, <clears throat> with only like five or six people. But when we hit a million. Break- we had like fifteen people. It's crazy. Yeah, when you break when you break things up, like a hundred million sounds crazy, but <laughs> if you just look at the total marketing spend for law firms across the United States, that's just that's an even crazier number than a hundred million. I mean, that's just my goodness. And then if you you start breaking off little chunks, and then like the total marketing spend yeah. for HVAC companies across the United States, another insane number. And then you continue to choose pick different categories or, or verticals i mean that hundred million then becomes you see the pathway it becomes much much clearer yeah we don't need one percent of law firm uh, revenue for marketing so it's it's a really small number when you break it down and it's just you know we know we can't just make a rate digital 100 million by itself um i think it probably the biggest out of the out of them but here's the thing we don't care <laughs> we're, we're not we're pulling for every we're, we're pulling for all of them and um and it's just it's fun it allows us to be creative and and uh, not be uh get bored i guess you That's know because right. yeah, we get to fire up another company and we got another person that we can help grow into uh, a business center That's so fair. kevin daisy appreciate your time you guys can learn about them at what website uh, you just go to thisisarray.com. Thisisarray.com. Yep. Be in our Check show that notes. out in the show notes. That's right. And thanks for being here today. Until next time, Kevin Daisy. Tim, Zach, thank you so much. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you, man. Cheers, sir.